Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. The calendar turns to December, and you know what that means. Get out your calculators. It's tiebreaker month. What's up? My name is Luke Braun. I do Locked On Vikings, and I think we should just leave playoff positioning up to this college football committee. Hey, this is Arif Hassan of the White Lev Substack. I, too, suddenly care about college football for the one week of the year that I ever care about it. Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. KOC is going to ponder a quarterback decision this week. Ugh, He's mulling Jesus. things over. Ugh. Okay, think about it. Jesus. Don't say ponder on this show. Minnesota football. <laughs> Down the hall. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. Welcome in on a Monday morning to the Minnesota Football Party on Locked On Sports Minnesota. So glad you've joined us. You met the Lukes. You met a reef. I'm Sam Ekstrom talking Vikings for the next hour or so. Uh, every dayers, thank you for watching all the content here, whether it's on video on Locked On Sports Minnesota or in this show's case, on audio on the Locked on Vikings audio feed, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on the SiriusXM app, Amazon Fire, Roku, and now the 24-7 YouTube live stream right here on Locked on Sports Minnesota. I lobbied for them to just play this show on a loop for 24-7. They do include other shows as well, like Luke Braun, for instance, on Locked on Vikings, or Luke Inman, the postcaster general, reacting to Wolves games as they just keep winning and winning and winning and winning. But on today's Minnesota football party, long-term quarterback discussion. We'll revisit that here uh, out of the bye week. A good chance to take stock of where the Vikings are at and where we want them to go. How about the Brian Flores defense? Still ranked eighth in the league. How did we get here to this insane spot where the defense is better than the offense? We'll look ahead to the Las Vegas Raiders and react to what we saw in week 13, a week in which none of us won our parlays. We'll touch on that as well. But I want everybody to know that today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On NFL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Arif Hassan, what's up, man? Hi, hey, hello, hi. Um, why am I? I was. Not? Well, I was. Just There's thinking, only three of us. Why not? <laughs> when I watch the league on Sundays, um, I you get a, more of a chance to think about just like big pictures, storylines, trends, and what have you. When I'm not tunnel visioned on the Vikings, and you look around this league, man, and you, I think to myself, whenever a team tries the bridge quarterback route, it usually goes badly. And whenever teams like kind of like commit to a direction. Um, these early, you know, these first round picks who get given the keys seems like it's working out more often than not right now in the league. And I'm wondering where you stand on sort of the correct direction the Vikings need to go at QB um, going forward. Who's who's a template for the Vikings, if you will? Uh, I mean, Geno Smith is the template, I guess. But um, that's the bridge. That. That's the bridge angle. And so let me use love, for instance, situation. Arif. Right. I, I think that I still think that the Packers are in a terrible spot. Like yeah. I think that you waited too long. I don't think that sitting your quarterback for three years is the approach you want to take in today's NFL. Like I think they've got now their hands tied, wondering, well, is he good? Is he not good? He's five hundred quarterback. What do we pay him? Do we have to commit to him for three years now? Like, I think that's a horrible spot to be in. Like, I think that is 
Example A. They, they um, don't think so, by the way. Very much. Oh, they're, they're confident in their direction. I'm not. Yeah. I don't believe in that direction at all in sure. today's NFL climate. But yeah, that, that's you. a lesson that I would take from it. You look at the good quarterback situations and the bad quarterback situations. Who who do you want to emulate um, in terms of like what approach they took? Luke Braun, what do you think? For me, it's always been the Bills for this. The way that they got Josh Allen, which was... They fell in love with a guy like two years before he came out. They had that guy. They aggressively traded up to get him when it was time. And I, I think that allowed them also to be patient when that guy was struggling. He had a really bad rookie year. He wasn't even that good his second year. Had a catastrophically bad rookie mm -hmm. year. Yeah. Would have been really easy to look at that the same way we're looking at Carolina with Bryce Young right now. And anybody you ask, you go, ha ha, they may pick the wrong guy instead of Stroud. Ha, 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 ha. The Carolina Panthers are going to have to be a lot more patient than that organization has been in the last few years with Bryce last Young. Last few weeks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I think kind of having your guy and then knowing to be patient with him. I think whether or not that guy starts we year one, uh, if it is a rookie is a little bit more of a moot point. If you're willing to be patient, the way that that can ruin things is if that dude's bad for a year and a half and then you bench him and you decide you're going to move on. Like, yeah, that's a catastrophe. Um, but Hey, if he's bad for two years and you stick with him, and then the third year he breaks out like Josh Allen, like that's the kind of thing that especially with, super athletic, you know, high ceiling guys. That's the kind of thing you, you can uh, get away with. But really, and I know this isn't a satisfying answer, but it is the answer. Hit on the pick. You have to be right with your evaluation or hit on, you know, the, the trade. If you're going to trade mm -hmm. from Kyler Murray or do whatever, uh, you have to be right and get a guy that's good. Everything else is window dressing. And I, I know that's not like satisfying, but that is the case. The right, Jordan Love imagine? let him sit for three years thing might work if he's good. And if Jordan Love isn't good, it didn't work. And that's all it ever comes down to. If he's awesome, if Jordan Love is the next Aaron Rodgers, Packers fans will not care at all that he that they didn't get three years of his rookie contract, just like they didn't care with Aaron Rodgers. Well, so there's two things I want to say to that. One, um, there's an element of, of, you know, I agree with a good chunk of that, right? Like, can you imagine if the Cardinals had just stuck with Josh Rosen? <laughs> like, hey, we gotta stick this out, man. You got, you gotta, you gotta right. ride your horses. It's like, no, it's like you gotta, you gotta like the guy that you have, and they very clearly did not. Um, but second, it's not like that simple, right? Like, there, you can construct a reality where Jordan Love is good if he gets to play right away, and not good if he's benched for three years, right? Like, those are two different Jordan Loves, and I think it is fair to say that those two approaches will impact the evaluation going forward or the other way, right? Like maybe he wouldn't have been good if he had played right away. Maybe he's good. Yeah. Now, well, right? like he was by all reports, a mess for the first couple of years. If he had played right away, it's, I don't know if that would have stunted his development necessarily. I mean, I do think that happened to Justin Fields, So that certainly happens, but it certainly would have soured him in the eyes of the organization. And I don't think we'd be in year four seeing them stick it out with Jordan love. <laughs> like I think that's right. the advantage. But it's, 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 it's just that like when you draft a guy, it's not suddenly the universe stamps good or bad on that guy. Right. There's a development path. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 That's just the kind of the, the thing I wanted to push back on. Is that like, Hey, maybe sure. you did and I, right I call that later. part of 
hitting on the pick is you also have to develop him correctly. You yeah. need the quarterback to be good. And if he's not good, you failed. And it doesn't matter what process you took. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying and- to I'm trying to go through here and just top of my head, write some of these quarterback transitions down. Just for example, Lions. Okay. Had Matt Stafford traded a first round pick for Jerry Goff. Grade. I don't know what he give that. A B, B minus. Ravens had Joe Flacco use the 32nd pick on Lamar Jackson. A, A minus. The two or three top ones here, you already mentioned Seahawks, Russell Wilson traded uh, for Drew Locke and then signed veteran Geno Smith. That's got to be an A, A-plus, one of the best trades we've seen. Texans traded picks, used the number two pick on C.J. Stroud. That looks like an A right now. And then outside the obvious of just like, okay, the Chiefs, can't call it luck, obviously, but okay, you, you hit on Patrick Mahomes or Chargers moving on from Phillip Rivers, drafted in the first round, Justin Herbert. That looks like an A-minus, B-plus-ish right now. Um, I think both of you guys are right. I think the point is for all these teams, their decision and direction they wanted to transition to was massively dictated at the time on their perception of we're in total rebuild mode, let's strip it all down to the studs like the Bears and Ryan Poles did, or if they thought they were still a competitive team and roster and they were just a quarterback away. So, yeah, I think Arif's right. Like, there's no magic formula, obviously, that you're just going to implement. And I think Luke's right, too, in the fact that you got to be patient. You got to commit and put all your chips into developing and and kind of progressing that guy, assuming it is a young player or a rookie quarterback. And hitting on your pick, I mean, yeah, it starts right there. So it sounds so simple, but clearly it's insanely complex and there's a lot of different variables that go into each equation. And each team, I think, is kind of uniquely different when it comes to how they should approach that. Vikings, I mean, we're going to talk about this conversation for the next six months. Yeah, and one of my mottos in covering sports is progress is not linear. And you look at some of these quarterbacks and some of them show you the best version of themselves right away as a rookie, maybe year two, and then they drop off Josh Allen. Like that's, that's a great example of someone who seemed to kind of peak very early and either plateaued or even dipped a little bit. You don't always know Jalen hurts was super ordinary. His first year was decent. His second year, he was a little more linear until his third year where he really took off. So those are all the variables that you're looking at when you think about the quarterback future of the Minnesota Vikings. Um, But I watched a lot of college football this week. This is a big college football week for me. And I've gotten a little more into it just in in the month of November. Some pretty good options out there, man. I mean, watching the the Oregon-Washington game on Friday night, Bo Nix, Michael Penix. um, You know, J.J. McCarthy is not, I don't think he's a first-round guy, but I think he's a good quarterback. There's so many good options. Caleb Williams, unbelievable. Quinn Quinn Ewers. Ewers. Yeah. And he's eligible, right? Mm-hmm. He's yep. yep. He's drafted. Yeah. So yeah, they got they got young Manning waiting in the wings there, ready Arch. to get on the field. Right. Surprised he hasn't like decided to transfer. Uh, yeah. Well, if Ewers is if Ewers is leaving though, yeah. Shador Sanders probably not going to come out. But you look up any mock draft. I mean, if, if you believe his dad, there. he's not going to come out. But who you know? Right. Well, who knows? <laughs> if you're Shadur, if you're, I'm sure Shadur is making more coming back to Colorado than he would as a mid-round quarterback, probably, with a chance to improve his stock. I feel like it makes financial sense now for him to stay. I think another year of college is very, very good for his pro chances. Yeah, Yeah, if they give him an offensive line, sure. 
Yeah, they need yeah, that O-line, big time. Interesting to see what they do with the transfer portal. Did you mention Jaden Daniels as well from LSU? <laughs> How's their committing going? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Minnesota Vikings defense is top 10 in the league going into the final five games of the season. Let's dive into that. Kevin Seifert wrote a very good article about this topic. But first, a word from BetterHelp and Luke Braun. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy online made easy. If you're thinking about getting into therapy, that can be sort of an intimidating thing, especially if the first person you end up calling or whatever doesn't give you a good experience. A lot of people will think that that's the way that therapy goes and then never think about it again. They just think that's what therapy is and it's not for me and I'm done with the whole thing. But I strongly encourage you to try other people and BetterHelp can help you get set up with a lot of other people. Um, and, and try and some on for size. Try consults with a lot of other people until you find somebody that fits you and your needs and what you actually need from therapy. Give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on. All right, moving on. Uh, Minnesota Vikings defense currently ranked eighth in points against in the NFL. Kevin Seifert wrote a great story about Brian Flores' scheme this week. Basically, that it's never been done before in the NFL. Like, he took a concept from college. He built it out, built upon um, heavy pressure, heavy drop coverage, and a lot of zone concepts mixed with blitz which is very unique uh did you guys see this story because i thought it was yeah i thought it was was so great i mean it broke my brain in half dude it was like here's here's the chart like anything arifa's on rights for sure but then that piece (laughs) by kevin seaver if you're a vikings fan and you only read one piece all year for me and my money i think this is it it was so good What's really interesting is that the Vikings borrowed a bunch of Narduzzi principles when he was at Michigan State for the Mike Zimmer defense. And so to see... <laughs> they, they keep doing this. <laughs> yeah, Brian Flores do the same thing. Um, yeah, so... Uh, you know, different, so again, different principles, too. Yeah, completely totally different. Totally different yeah. stuff. Because Narduzzi's not doing the same thing in Pitt as he did in yeah, Michigan Yeah, 100%, State. right? Um, I mean, because that's so like one of the reasons that cover four is so prevalent in the NFL right now is because of what Narduzzi did, <laughs> did at Michigan State, the way that they did match cover four, mm-hmm. put in blitz packages. The idea, of course, was that you would have a too high safety look that also allowed you to defend the run, which is pretty unique. If you remember that Michigan State team was phenomenal on defense. And part of the reason is because very good at defending the run while still having a two safety look. It screwed up all of the like teams like Oregon that relied on box counts to determine whether or not they were going to run, i.e. counting the number of defensive players in the box, mm-hmm. determining runner pass based off of that. It was kind of like the the thing to do. That's how Gus Malzahn did it at Auburn. That's how, you know, Chip Kelly did it at Oregon. And it was very difficult to stop until somebody was like, hey, what if we could defend the run without a high box count? Which, of course, leads to the Fangio stuff that people have talked about, where you've got two high safeties, you'd be able to defend the run from a light box because you've got Aaron Donald. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff, right? Um 
And so Zimmer borrowed a lot of the match principles, which is why drafting Trey Waynes made thematic mm. sense. It didn't make sense to like draft him based off of the player that he was, but it made thematic sense because it was, you know, the two read stuff coming out of Michigan State is like the stuff that 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 worked a lot for uh, NFL defenses. So Brian Flores borrowing from Narduzzi at Pitt is super interesting because it's not unique to have like zone principles behind the blitz, but it is unique to do it behind kind of a six person blitz, right? Because if you've got uh, fire zone, you know, that's like very old, you know, rush five, you've got three over three. So that's three deep, three short. Um, you know, that's been, that's been there for a while, right? The Steelers innovated a uh, zone blitz um, way back when, right? Uh, doing a bunch of that stuff. Um, but having like a four person kind of like a fence post uh, zone uh, with one underneath and then having like six rushers, that's unique, right? Uh, the amount of player control that there is uh, in the defense is fairly unique, right? If for a defense as difficult for quarterbacks to kind of absorb, having players have the ability to understand the defense well enough that they can make their own decisions up front, you know, that's unique, right? Um, what's really cool is that I remember when um, Narduzzi was interviewed about that Michigan State defense, you know, the thing is, yeah, I'm very open about all of the things that I do except my blitz packages. That is not in any clinic. I will not talk about it. Uh, no one is going to know how my blitz packages work. That's like secret third down sauce you're not going to get. And now, like, we've built a plane out of it. Like, like yeah. it's it's so interesting that this is kind of the... So I encourage people to read the piece, but that is, like, the context to that mm -hmm. uh, defensive history that I found, like, really kind of cool to bring into that piece. I think it's so cool. Good breakdown there by Aria. I love the Harrison Smith quote in there, too, about when he said, you know, uh, some of these rules, these pre-notions, more or less, are just ingrained in everyone's head right now after so many years. Yeah. Just been there's kind three of fours and there's four threes. Yeah, exactly. It's been kind of brainwashed into that group think, and that's where Flores came in, flipped everything on its head and said, screw this. You know what? There is more than one way to do this. And yeah, it's going to be a huge challenge, a big transition. And we saw that the first four weeks of the season. But if we can get the communication part down, gel together, hashtag chemistry over time, it is going to be something that gives offenses a huge headache. And dude, if nothing else, too, after what fans got from Donatel last year, you got to appreciate and respect the fact he was willing to come in and do something that was really outside the box, swing for the fence, installs this just ultra-aggressive mindset that's never been done literally in the history of the NFL. That was a huge risk. So props to him. It's been so fun to watch. And also, too, think about how funny is it now looking back to training camp and all the buzz around Josh Metellus. Oh, man, he's... He's using a lot of three safety looks out there. That's kind of mm -hmm. weird. I wonder how much he's actually <laughs> going to use it, though, in the yeah. season. And 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 by the way, where's Lewis seen if he's going to use three safety? Well, he literally uses three safety every single play. He's turned Metellus into a legitimate Pro Bowl type of player. So, Or how about, you know, I think back to this, too, training camp, preseason time. Every time a defensive player was asked about the defense, and, and Arif, you kind of mentioned this, Every player would just kind of get this smile and get soft-spoken about all the details, very tight-lipped. Every time a reporter asked about the nuances, a player was just like, yeah, man, it's crazy. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. You'll find out. You'll see. Like, no details. And now we know why, because this was just something that was, again, really outside the box, had the potential, though, to be super successful. And they didn't want to give out any secrets, any of the secret sauce, like Arif said. Little Monday nerdy stat before we kick it to Braun. Um, the Vikings have the top two safeties in the league in terms of pass rush attempts. 
Harrison Smith and Josh Metellus have 86 and 70 uh, pass rush snaps, respectively. Rocks so hard. Next closest <laughs> is Kyle Duggar at 39. Okay. Less than hey. half. Who's worked with Flores? Mm-hmm. Ah, I mean, it's a lot. Nice. It's still yeah. like a lot of the defense's DNA is still Belichick. Yeah. The five O stuff that they do, like the fronts that they that they have, um, and I think it's the coverage behind it that is more the the part that that they took out of the pit playbook. There's a couple things from that article that stand out to me in terms of how other teams have interacted with the Vikings. There's a, a story from Metellus from the Atlanta game of a coach that was good. Ca- so calling good. out the defensive plays and being like, I know what you're doing and being wrong every single time. It's an illusion. And then uh, another anecdote from Durante Jones about coaches coming up to him before the game and saying, man, you know, you're the DB coach. You guys are running so much man coverage. That must be really hard. Uh, you know, to get to have to be in man, man to man all the time with the guys that you have. And, you know, and he'll kind of like smile and say, oh, yeah, you know, thanks. For <laughs> but he's like, it's not we don't it's not man coverage. Like what we do is not it, it looks like man, but it's it's not man coverage. Um, I think a lot of it is still man match cover seven on the backside, which is just a set of rules that becomes man coverage. But it's not actually you have this guy. It's you have whichever guy comes to the outside or to the inside, et cetera. Um, pockets Harrison Smith call it there's these pockets on the field right more or less yeah uh right so you'll have like on one side of the field three defenders over two receivers or whatever uh, and then four over three on the other side and and then there will be a certain rule set it's that's it's what Mike Zimmer did as well it's what Belichick does um so it's it's really funny to see that and and when they have their off man thing that you probably can picture in your mind about like all of the defensive backs, you know, heels on the sticks, playing way off with, you know, seven or eight guys on the on the line of scrimmage um, where that looks like off man coverage. But it also kind of isn't where it's very much you can switch release all you want. You can move guys around. You can bring guys across the formation. And there's always going to be someone there because they actually are playing like three deep two under zone behind it which is the the part that they took from Pitt. there's so many cool interesting things about this but i i do just want to appreciate that like how often ever in football do you get a team that just runs a new scheme that mm-hmm. doesn't exist somewhere else that mm-hmm. isn't mm-hmm. uh you know just something that is what they taught at the place they were before right like we always take it for granted hey when we're getting flores we all went and, okay what's the belichick defense because that's yep. what he runs he runs the belichick defense uh, when, you know, when we had Donatel, he runs the Fangio defense. What's the Fangio defense? And to sort of veer so far away from it, while still having a lot of the same DNA, to veer so far away from it and to sort of concoct something that looks entirely new and unrecognizable, that never happens. Like, this team is a pilot ground for a brand new thing. And if it works out, it's going to spread and catch on like fi- wildfire. And people are going to talk about the the 2023 Vikings the same way they talk about the night. I think it was the 1995 Browns where man match cover seven was invented. It might have been 94 uh, with Belichick. Was that and, Belichick? And Saban. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Belichick and um, Saban. And like there were like new defensive back techniques they used. They invented yeah. the shuffle to take over the back pedal and stuff like that. There's mm. like a and bunch keep of mind, stories about mm. that was a five and 11 team. <laughs> Yeah, but, right. yeah, but it changed right. the entire league. Right. So yeah. whatever happens with the 2023 Vikings is going to fall into so much more obscurity. Their legacy might be this is where Flores invented the. I, don't, I, I saw somebody suggest they should call it the 44 defense after Metellus. Oh, I love that. Oh, That's I like that. Great. I yeah, just that. like the Doug hey, playing 46. Uh, yeah, I've yeah. got a, I've got Go a quick. guessing game. Go ahead, Luke. 
I was just going to say, how funny in that article was it reading that Brian O'Neill and Patrick Jones, the two former pit players, <laughs> yeah. Had, yeah. couldn't make any Yeah, they were connection. like, what is going on here? Well, they yeah, didn't they, realize they, until they, they were they like, oh realize. my God, that's... Like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey. Hey, what are you doing? Uh, I do want to add... Also, I think would have had that in college, would have practiced I, against the that defense. Mm-hmm. I do want to add, Sam, right before we get into the guessing game or whatever, is that I think it was Match Quarters wrote a piece. They also did a video on the Brian Flores defense two, three weeks ago. I highly recommend it. Um, where I believe it was Match Quarters who said that um, the Vikings lead the league in rotations too, too high from single high, um, where most of the league does rotations from too high to single high. Um, as opposed to the other mm-hmm. way around, right? And so the Vikings will show one high and rotate to two more often than anyone else, um, even though they don't do two high all that often. It's just that no one seems to rotate from single high safety pre-snap to double high safety post-snap, whereas the, I guess the meta around the league because of Fangio is to have uh, these two high looks before the snap, something that O'Connell and Donatel talked about before the season last year, right? That they would always show pre-snap too high and then they'll do whatever after that. Turns out whatever was also too high. Um, Turns out they just didn't do that at all. Yeah, they just didn't rotate. Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, if it's Staley or Fangio or Desai or any of these other guys, you know, it would be, uh, you show too high and then you rotate a bunch to single high. And it seems like the Vikings are kind of at the other end. Of that. I just kind of a cool detail. Um, Vikings top five since week four in points against yards against success rate and EPA defensively. Do you guys want to guess? So the Vikings have jumped 20 spots in total defense this year. It is the second greatest jump in team history. Do you want to guess number one? 2014. I'm going to guess what, like 13, Correct. 14. Luke. Got okay. It. Yep. Yeah. From last to 11th with yeah. the Zimmer defense, yeah, which goes crazy. to show that scheme on defense in particular really matters. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Big time. Big time. Yeah. Did did he go get Linval that first year, 2014? Yeah. Because that had but, a lot but again, to do with but Lin, finding that. But Linval was also not like elite Linval that first year, correct? He Because he got, he got shot before. Yeah. He was season. coming off the bullet. Yeah. Missed a lot of time. Yeah. Coming, coming off, off the, the bullet, bullet man. Z- Zay, yeah. like he got healthy toward the end of the year. Rhodes turned the corner toward the end of that year. Sharif Floyd, like everyone kind of started to gel late that season after it was kind of all lost. Mm-hmm. And then Sharif Floyd was so good, man. Sharif Floyd yeah. was so good, dude. Who's the two Penn State linebackers? Gerald Hodges and Michael Mowdy? Michael Mahdi didn't really see the field. Come on, well, we come can't. On, dude. Ben Gideon, <laughs> come on, dude. But yeah, Gerald Gideon. Hodges, before he got like randomly traded to the 49ers, and we're all like, what was that about? What? That's crazy. What happened? Oh, this Eric Hendricks <laughs> is going to take over for him? What? <laughs> Nick Easton. That, that had a lot to do. I mean, 2014, hey. he goes from dead last to 11th, but then that 2015 draft adding Trey Waynes, Trey Waynes, Eric Kendricks, and Daniel Hunter. Daniel Hunter. I mean, those three right Anthony there. Anthony Harris, yeah, was... an undrafted free agency. Yep, Stephon Diggs. Michael uh, Pruitt was in that draft class. Uh, a couple years Michael later. Michael Pruitt. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Spielman turned one, Matt Cass out away. Stephon Diggs and Michael Pruitt. He drafted Michael Pruitt three spots before Stephon Diggs. Can you imagine if Stephon Diggs would have got sniped <laughs> in those three spots? Whew. Woo, baby. Hey, Michael Pruitt's still in the league. That was he's like, still, hey, yeah, he scored he's a touchdown yesterday. He scored a touchdown he, yesterday. He, he's legend. exceeding his fifth round valuation, though I would not argue that means the Vikings made a good pick, right? Like it's kind of. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's fair. Uh, closing thought here. Just, they just, just need to be a little more patient with it. Closing yeah, thought. I'm just, 
Sam, I'm just thinking back to training camp too. Think about this for me anyways, reading this article, really what opened up my eyes the most, like I have more appreciation for the back end and what Flores has done with those guys, communication and disguising things like that. But think back to training camp, put yourself there. It was a coin flip to bring back the Neil Hunter. And even though I know the philosophy and the whole thing just kind of breeds and schemes open different pass rushers. We talk about that a lot on any given play. Having that one Pro Bowl guy down there, that one Pro Bowl presence down the line of scrimmage in both pass and run support, I don't think that can be overstated. I mean, that's been crazy to think about what maybe they would have looked like had they not retained Daniil Hunter and kept him in purple. Yeah, right. With the injuries Marcus Davenport's Davenport. dealt with. Yeah, can you imagine? It would be... Andre Carter, oh DJ Wan, and Patrick Jones. Mm-hmm. That would be your top what, three. One of the interesting things that has that has gone to that is it, it's in the Seifert piece too. Is is like six man fronts. It's zone coverage behind a six man front is like the novel thing about this. And in the same way that like five down fronts have sort of put a wrench in the engine of all of the wide zone offenses, and that was sort of the reason that Fangio defenses took off is because they liked to put five on the line of scrimmage and it would break up the double teams that wide zone loves to have because there's too many guys. You can't double team everybody. Everybody has to be one-on-one and teams just started using like tight ends and fullbacks to like get that math back in their favor. Uh, That's what the 49ers have been doing. And part of the reason this worked, part of the reason this worked against the 49ers run game is because six is one more than five. And so now the math is even more back in the Vikings favor. And that it, it, like a super oversimplification because Mm -hmm. how you get away with having six guys on the line of scrimmage and not getting passed on is kind of insane. Uh, But, and they did get passed on a couple times, like after the chargers game, they kind of went back to the drawing board and changed their coverage structures. Uh, But it's, yeah, it's, it's a really cool kind of cat and mouse between offense and defense. The last like five, six years is McVay sort of broke the whole world wide open. So let me. It's been kind of fun for like Luke and I to tweet each other. Yeah, they'll only rush six or three. That's it. Uh, Six or three. Yeah. Yeah. Six or three. Uh, For like the past couple of weeks. And then this article uh, comes out and it's like, yeah, statistically, they Mm -hmm. rush six the most. They also rush three the most. I love that. Which has been true for weeks and weeks and weeks. It's so cool. I love that. Um, Let me me end with a conspiratorial thought. This was Brian Flores's when he spoke to Seifert. This was his first head coaching interview because what, why would this defensive coordinator who's got this scheme, nobody can figure out why would he, why would he suddenly just open up the book and, and let us look in? Oh, he, he's starting the PR hype. Now he's starting the, the okay. Brian Flores hype train today. So Normally that- I would, I would push back Sam when you, when you put forth a conspiracy, not going to do that here. I think you've got some legs on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, seems wise. I, I am curious as to why Durante Jones contributed to, to the piece, but, <laughs> but he probably wants to go with, he has been through yeah. some weird scheme changes. Cause he did, he's been here. He was here in a Zimmer year, right? Yeah, and he then was here, he was here last year yeah. with the Fangio and then, thing. It was a catastrophe. Yeah, and he worked with and he worked with Paul Gunther uh, in Cincinnati too, if I remember mm, correctly. Yeah, um, no. yeah, he's been he's been through a bunch of different schemes. He might be uh, no, uh, part of the Flores staff now because this is how it goes, right? Like if Flores does get a head coaching job, he brings this scheme over there. The Vikings still probably try to run it here with whoever, mm-hmm. and then uh, people start getting poached off of both of those staffs, and it spreads that way. So mm-hmm. if this does work out, Durante Jones has some pretty good opportunities to get promotions. I, I, I via, think he for gets sure. the DC job yeah. uh, in Minnesota. I think yeah. that's what I could see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, if he doesn't not choose to go. That's for sure. That's <laughs> yeah, why he's yeah, not to the Clemson story. this morning. 
if, yeah. if he doesn't choose to go follow Flores wherever he goes. Right. Yeah. Those, those are basically. Right. Yeah, he's yeah. a DC either way, though. Yeah. Do you want to yeah. do it with but Flores? I, I do think. I do think it's unlikely the Vikings lose Flores this year, despite all of the wonderful stories about the defense and all the success and stuff like that. Uh, just right because, uh, yeah. Well, first, yeah, because Flores has to like be like. If you were Flores and you and you could theoretically have a pick of teams, would you choose Carolina? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, um, but uh, also, like I, I still think owners are probably a little bit skittish about hiring a guy who's currently suing the NFL. Like that's not going to leave my brain until he actually signs with the team. I agree. Um, so that's like part of it, right? Um, and but yeah, no people with a quality opening that have their pick of the litter, right? Like Arizona offered Brian Flores the job last year; they were kind of desperate. Like yeah. the, it was, it's easier to look past that, especially when you're the Cardinals. Like, what's another media circus? Uh, who, who's well, the, that, uh, that? And like, can you imagine Jonathan Gannon surviving a fair interview process against qualified? <laughs> like, well, I was gonna say, who, who's <laughs> the second hottest DC out there right now? Because I want to know how big the drop off is because Flor is clearly the hottest name right now. Who's like the second? Does anybody know? Probably Sai. Oh, and Aromo is, yeah, is a good one, but he's like, he's old. So, he's old. Like, he is, yeah. Yeah. so that's going to hurt. Old. But Sean Desai, I think, is up there. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. I will say, uh, Sam, you probably remember this better than all of us, but like Andre Patterson would do this a lot where he'd like find ways to try and like, you know, get his name out there. It's like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm doing a pretty good job, guys. I just want you to know I'm doing a pretty good job. It's important. That everyone knows that I'm doing Andre a good job. Patterson. What you do with that information, that's up the, to you. But I am doing a one of the job. only bright spots in New York still. All that dude does is coach up good players. He should have been a DC a decade ago. Yeah, he agrees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shamar Stefan, his Don't prize project. <laughs> uh let's let, let's talk a little AOC. Um, Aiden O'Connell, of course. And uh little Raiders preview after a word from game time. After this show, I'm hopping in an Uber. I'm going to the airport, and I'm flying to New York. Yes, I will be in NYC, the Big Apple, city that never sleeps. And uh, what, are, what is there to do in the Big Apple? Well, there's a lot of sporting events. There's a lot of shows. So you know what I did last night? Hopped on the Game Time app. Yep, downloaded it, checked it out, and uh, saw that Kenny G is playing in New York City tonight. So a little smooth jazz. For my Monday evening, you bet. <laughs> Courtesy of Game Time, where you find the best flash deals, sponsor deals for concerts, uh, zone deals, where you pick the section. Game Time picks the seats for 18% savings on average. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find the tickets in the same section and roll for less, Game Time gives you credit uh, 110% of the difference. So download the Game Time app like I did. It doesn't have to be Kenny G. Can be a local Wolves game, can be a wild game. Uh, create your account, use code Locked On NFL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Locked On NFL, like I did, for twenty dollars off your first purchase at Game Time. Kenny G, coming your way, man. Kenny G, of course, man. All right, you can make fun of me now for the Kenny G <laughs> thing. Yeah. Uh, that's extremely funny, soft jazz, but I don't want to knock him too much. He has pioneered stuff like continuous breathing, uh, which I believe is the reason he holds the record for like the longest note on a brass mm -hmm. instrument in history. Um, it turns out like musicians I like a lot respect him, which is crazy to me because I think his music blows. But, you know, 
That's just how it works for a long time. Um, the HBO Music Box series pro, uh, did a, a documentary on Kenny G with a lot of Kenny G in it, and he's a really Good. interesting. He's a, a really interesting guy, very perfectionistic, um, and very confident, like in his own abilities. And he's Good. like, yeah, yeah. He's like he's like very well respected. Like when I learned about him, I was like shocked because again, his music sucks. But people <laughs> people like, people like him. He's pioneered a bunch of stuff in the realm of smooth jazz, I guess. Well, also just like music techniques. We should get Yinka on here to talk about Kenny G. They, that I would be. Yeah. Oh yeah, that would be yeah. great Vikings content. Yeah. Is he a, is well, he a fan or a hater? <laughs> I don't know, but Yinka knows a lot about the mechanics of playing brass instruments, and so oh, okay. he probably knows a lot about Kenny G. Um, so this is not a politics show, but we're talking AOC because it's Aiden O'Connell. <laughs> oh, um, my eyes lit up. God, come on. <laughs> I know you got pumped. Aiden O'Connell, six games in. Um, my one little fun nugget on that: he literally has zero undesigned runs through six games. He is not a scrambler. He's coming off his best game as a starter via PFF grades, uh, his highest completion percentage as well. I, this Raiders team reminds me a little bit of 2021, where they're at right now. Same vibes. They fired Gruden, put in... Uh, Masaccia. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Packers, that, right? Packers special teams coordinator. Oh, is he? Okay. Kind of that in-season so, yeah. replacement ended up being really competitive near the end. And you kind of see that sometimes when you get these temporary player coaches come in, Antonio Pierce, guys kind of rally around them. Um, I know they're two and two, but they've done some better things. And all of a sudden, at least they're more competitive again. They scored the most points they have all year in his first game. I think it was 30 points. Sure as the Giants. Now mm -hmm. they lost to the Dolphins on the road, but only by one score two weeks ago. The big wild card right now, Max Crosby. I mean, he's going to... He's a player who's going to get Defensive Player of the Year votes. He was listed as doubtful this week, comes into the week, brutal knee injury, ends up playing somehow. He can be a like huge game wrecker, obviously. Bad. I think all eyes are going to be on Max Crosby this week as well, whether he goes or not, because, again, he can be a huge difference maker. This yeah, Max is a Crosby really interesting... Probably... Sorry, this is, a, this is an interesting week to get Max Crosby uh, because... O'Connell's Kevin O'Connell, our O'Connell, has alluded a little bit to uh, molding the defense or the offense around Josh Dobbs a little more. And there was a report from Diana Rossini that says her vibe is that they're sticking with Dobbs. That feels like the the odds on favorite right now, although we don't have certainty by any means. But if they do, I wouldn't be surprised to see some QB running some zone read stuff. What a great time to bust out some zone read for a team that absolutely is not going to prepare for that and essentially read Max Crosby out of plays. What a great way to get Max Crosby neutralized in this game by making him the read man, making it so you don't have to like beat him one-on-one -on -one when he's having the season of his life. Uh, and that won't work. Like that's too easy of a, like too simple of a solution for a team that sees it coming, but we don't have any of that crap on tape. It would be brand new. It, it would be a nice way to uh, handle probably the best edge rusher left on the slate, right? Oh, Are you yeah. going to the game, Luke? I am going to the game. Oh, You're like driving down or yeah, my my dad and I are going to drive up to Vegas. Where are you staying? I love that highway, man. Uh, the L.A. I to don't Vegas remember. Highway. On the street? Oh yeah, it's a, it's a pretty drive. Uh, no, just off it. 
Um, so Max Crosby currently leads the league in PFF pressures. He also leads the league in PFF stops because during the bye week, Daniel Hunter lost his lead in stops. Um, I believe Hunter still leads the league in like tackles for loss, but stops can also occur on one, two, three yard gains, depending on the down and distance. Um, also, for most of his career, he has led the league in pass rush wins right now that's not the case because he had to take a couple of plays off for the first time in his life i believe mike micah parsons and hassan reddick are ahead of him mm-hmm. in pass rush wins but he's third in pass rush wins total and his pass rush win rate as usual is pretty high he is one of everybody agrees he's one of the best edge rushers in the nfl and yet he is still underrated mm-hmm. it is like an interesting kind of thing people talk more about the fact that he like plays every snap until again until like very recently and like how hard he works which i mean that's those are like true things right and they sometimes even talk more about his story recovering from alcoholism and finding like a new purpose and a new animating driving force also great then they do to talk about like the level of talent that he brings to bear in every aspect of the game he is an incredible player who has not had help they don't have a defensive line like out of outside of him Mm -hmm. like it is crazy um I'm also going to count him as a win because because uh, I liked him in the draft. So uh, that means I'm good at this. <laughs> you say, hey, I like this fifth round guy. Turns out he's very good. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's going to be kind of the, the focal point of how that, that that defense works, how the offense needs to design itself. But you wanted to talk a little bit about Aiden O'Connell. He had a really remarkable uh, preseason. I liked his preseason a lot. He was one of the best rookie quarterbacks. Also up there, Tyson Bajant, of all people. Um but uh, I, you know, he was somebody that I liked in the draft, um, but his play has been extremely up or down, which is fair. He's like a mid-round rookie, um, but his play has been extremely up and down. Like like Luke said, against a very good Kansas City defense that was you know, healthier in that game than, you know, it was <laughs> right um, last night. Uh, he, he played very well, but also against a Miami defense that admittedly looks very good now that Jalen Ramsey is healthy and back. Uh, he looked awful. The game before that, he looked very bad. Um, he's been he's been an interesting player, but he's kind of like your classic um, super, like statue, like you mentioned, uh, anticipatory thrower, relies on accuracy, not as much on arm strength, but more on you know reading defenses, anticipating where everybody's going to be open and trying to get there, which I think pairs very poorly against the Brian Flores defense. If I'm going to be honest, I think that turns you into a PJ Fleck offense, which is what yeah. Vikings have done to a lot of young quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I pulled up his PFF page, which is a great thing to do for a team you have not watched. Um, mm. And yeah, when blitzed depth, of target goes down, completion percentage goes up um, things like their big time throw and all that stuff. And their turnover worthy plays all completely disappear if he sees pressure, he's dumping the ball off to his check down, uh, which is exactly what Brian Flores wants. The Vikings are very good at defending that. Yeah, the Vikings have been very, very good at defending that, except for like one drive in Denver <laughs> where they and and, and, and one drive. In San Francisco. Ah, pain. Uh, I don't remember that the, one, but sure. Yeah, the, the drive in Denver was more impactful, admittedly. Denver. Yeah, tried I've forgotten that other drive, but I'm, <laughs> I'll take your word for the, San, the San Francisco one was like, oh, my God, is it over? Is it? Can they not defend screens? And then they could. Oh, um, it was the three play one where, where yeah. McCaffrey housed it. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been really great about all that stuff. So if that's the way that uh, the Raiders are going to approach this and they're just going to kind of compress their offense into uh, something that you would see in the Big Ten, then 
yeah, it's it's going to be another long day for the offense, if, which we've had like three have, dozen in a row now. If you haven't seen the line yet or the over under, um, guess the line. Two and a half um, minus uh, three and a half for the Vikings. I have seen it, so I won't guess. All right, you guys are sandwiched around it. It is three over under. You want to guess that? Forty uh, two. What? <laughs> Whoa. Forty two and a half. Crazy. Yeah. Forty and a half is the number. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. Okay. Wow. That, <laughs> that would be it. But a twenty two to nineteen Vikings win per Vegas. I uh, should be noted scoring is down uh, across the league. Scoring is lower than it's been over the past, I believe, five years. Uh, but also uh, there's a game this week. I forget which game that has the lowest over under we've seen since like two thousand eight. Does that have um, to do with the Patriots? Um, that would make sense. Patriots, uh, Steelers, 30 and a half. I was about to say, I think it has oh to do with the Steelers. And the 30 Steelers and a half. And it's a Thursday well, night game. It's a Thursday night game. Al Michaels is going to walk out of the booth. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to feel like betting on an Iowa game. You're like, uh, surely, the always yeah, covered. surely the under, under always can't covered. hit. It's too low this time. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's just not even a sweat. Two weeks ago, uh, Iowa, Nebraska, 23 and a half in the under hit 23. And it wasn't close, right? Uh, it was 23. <laughs> it was 23. Oh, it was 23. It was close. But still. Um, I, I, I think that Al Michaels will find ways to enjoy his evening with the help of a couple of substances. <laughs> and he needs something that he can slyly talk about without really talking about because it doesn't work the same when talking about betting yeah yeah now, now that betting is like out in the open like, yeah and he's he still like, he like viewers some really some people like you don't have to be about this now <laughs> that meaningless field goal yeah. matter to some people out there he needs to <laughs> call up chris chris berman and get some of those do do do's what? <laughs> <laughs> My favorite clip ever. Uh, I bring that up to Sam once a year. Give me that extra pop. <laughs> From the States, eh? <laughs> we always hope we get a Blue Jays game. <laughs> um, uh, just because I got the uh, Aiden O'Connell PFF grades up here, I forgot his first start week four. Do you guys remember this? First, the Chargers dropped back 46 times. That was the Khalil Mack six sack game, at least five, maybe six sacks seven times, though. Pressured on almost half his dropbacks. Okay, talk about that's underrated an- pass rushers this year. Khalil Mack is having that's an insane. insane. I've had to cover the Chargers for the past five weeks. Khalil Mack is having an insane year. It yeah. is crazy how yeah. good is he's Bosa fighting. out? out? Oh. Yeah, he's out. He's done. Okay. Big I saw Kendrick's but, pop a lot yesterday, by the way. Yeah, it was it's kind of unusual. He's not been having a great year. But hmm. um wearing yeah, number six. Yeah, very weird. Yeah. Very weird. Um but yeah, their second round pick, Tuli Tuapolotu, having a great year yeah. too. So yes. that's, helping, that's helping absorb the Joey Bosa loss. And and you talked about Max Crosby being underrated, kind of comes with the whole realm of all right, he's not on a good team, doesn't get a lot of, you know, whatever national games, primetime games, things like that. Tyree Wilson, how about okay, here's the top ten pick that's supposed to come help out, at least in oh, the pass sucks. rush game. Not good, dude. Not good. Dude, it took until like week five or something like that for him to have one pass rush win. Not even a pressure. That's insane. A pass rush, like to beat a tackle, it took him like four or five weeks. Yeah, I don't know how that happens. And then they drafted the D tackle, Byron Young from Tennessee. I I can't speak on him. Oh, they they drafted the the wrong. No, no, they drafted the wrong Byron Young. Yes, they did. Yeah, Yeah, the Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, We Uh, we got to go. We got to go. This was a great show. 
All right. right. Yep, it's over. Sam's going to miss his flight. <laughs> this is Locked On Chargers. I mean, Locked On Sports Minnesota, the Minnesota football party. Be back with you on Thursday. Ron Johnson will join. We'll make our parlays. Nobody won yesterday. And Luke Braun is way in the negative. So, oh, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. I'm in trouble. Yep. Lost it on He's Thursday. Me. Uh, for Luke Inman, Luke Braun, Arif Hassan, I'm Sam Ekstrom. Saying so long. You're in Locked On Sports Minnesota. Thanks for watching and listening.